in modern day cricket you hear of the fab fours and the fab fives but in the 90s it was one man who for 10 plus years was india's knight in shining armor he who sowed the seeds for batsmanship the benefits of which will be reaped for generations to come the batsman and a once in a lifetime cricketer sachin ramesh tendulkar he was born to rule the game born to chase impossible dreams born to be one of the greatest batsmen ever a batting genius one of the greatest sons of the soil they who carry a family must be applauded but what does one say when an 18 year old comes along and carries the weight of a nation with minimal support for a decade are words enough will they ever be enough i don't think so but this this chant says it all and to uncover the knocks behind these chants i'm your host adit Joining me is my co-host Gaurav, and this is part two of our series on Sachin Tendulkar, covering the period from 1990 all the way until the 2003 World Cup. Before we begin, we'd highly recommend that you check out part one of the series, which there will be a card to write about now. And Gaurav, we left off the last part after Sachin scored his first international Test century at Old Trafford. in 1990 after that there were a couple of series but we'll not have enough time to cover them all so we're going to look at the highlights during this period and the first of them was the india tour of australia in 1991-92 now the series itself india lost the five test match series 4-0 but this tour will be remembered for other reasons and i'd like you to take us through some of those reasons yeah before i do come on to the series there were many tour games that were played uh, before the actual series started and there were some very interesting stories that were there so you in the last podcast we did mention that he went to the tennis lily pace foundation academy and uh, he was suggested not to go for the pace bowling career option uh, but he did play against tennis lily once in that tour match he was 42 years old uh, the great man back then and uh, it was against the acb president's 11 mm-hmm. and uh, he scored 24 and dennis lady was obviously past his prime but i think it would have been a terrific experience playing against him and it was damian martin who got him out and in that match and he in fact was the first ball, bowler to get tendulkar out on a, on australian soil and post that he scored 82 in one of the tour games in a three day match in lismore and it was a very uh, sporting wicket very lively wicket he scored 82 out of the 209 that they scored it was just spectacular because the rest of the batting it just collapsed and he was standing tall it was mike whitney and one other bowler who were 
really destructive in that innings and especially on that pitch i think uh, tendulkar showed some real class and but then nsw cricket association president alan davidson i think he was and he quoted that then he tendulkar had the best technique of any player of his age that davidson had seen so before the tour started there was a lot of hype around tendulkar they lost the first test they they lost the second test one as well and they they moved on to sydney which was tendulkar's favorite ground outside india throughout his career he had some terrific knocks there and sydney was the f- first time we actually saw the unfolding of tendulkar the test batsman obviously he had that 100 at old trafford but here it was much different against McDermott, Hughes, and the Australian bowling lineup back then was a very commendable one. Sydney was a relatively easier batting wicket, but he really cashed on to it. Ravi Shastri did score a double century in that innings as well, and they had a, a very memorable partnership. Yeah, and that one forty-eight made him the youngest player to score a Test century in, on Australian soil at eighteen years and two fifty-six days. Coincidentally, it was also Warren's debut in that uh, particular Test match, and uh, it really was a scintillating knock from Tendulkar. And as you said, that was the easier of the two uh, surfaces that Tendulkar scored his uh, centuries in Australia. And the next one was at Perth in in the fifth Test match of this series, and that that Perth wicket was a lively one, wasn't it? Gaurav? If you look at Perth now versus back then, there was a lot more bounce and a lot more pace. in that particular wicket and Merv Hughes if i remember Sanjay Manjrekar uh, caught Vengsakar also uh, he quickly departed and he also troubled Sachin a little bit with that bounce and pace but just to see Sachin at 18 years adapt to those conditions and obviously it becomes very difficult to adapt when the ball is bouncing more rather than when it is bouncing less it was so defining that to see him play a lot of strokes off the back but then also he was not he did not miss out on those opportunities when the ball was full to hit it through your mid on region and uh, through the leg side so uh, which out of the two knock did you fi- uh, fancy more for sachin in that series perth for sure uh, i think most people would would agree to that he in fact counts that as one of his best test hundreds or best international hundreds for that matter and and i've seen australian players who play first class cricket sheffield shield cricket and play a few innings at the wacker and it, it usually takes them a few innings to adjust to the wacker if they're not from western australia here's this 18 year old kid he comes to perth and he makes 114 and now okay he got more runs in sydney but to me the innings in perth was more impressive because here's a kid 18 years of age he's coming from low bouncing pitches to the highest bouncing and fastest pitch in the world totally unique conditions and he makes all the adjustments and he scores 114 it's uh, it's just brilliant to say the least because uh, the other batting lineup was uh, not able to adjust in that wicket and it was only him who looked that he could play uh, in those kind of surfaces and it was i think the first time where we saw that tendulkar would be the mainstay of the batting lineup indian batting lineup for years to come uh, he was pretty much the uh, main man for for almost a decade and that innings was 
the reflection of what was coming ahead and in fact uh, it was not memorable just for us the viewers but also he himself uh, later went on to say that that 91 92 tour uh, was the one that really changed him as a cricketer uh, it really toughened him up and made him feel like he was ready to face some of the best uh, bowling attacks in the world also in the sydney test he actually got his first test wicket of more views critical point india word on the verge of winning a test match in sydney but it was uh, the resistance of i think uh, steve for and more views in that test match where it, they were six down and uh, they just kept on batting but yeah he did get that wicket the first one uh, in such in test career which is not always talked about he he had some memorable bowling performances as well uh yeah i mean sachin tendulkar the bowler is uh, also a story of the 90s in the same year in 1992 we also had uh, the odi world cup now this 1992 odi world cup was had a lot of firsts for it it was the first to feature colored player clothing it was the first uh, ever world cup in australia and new zealand and it was also the first to include south africa after the end of the apartheid but more importantly for all of us in the context of this series is that it was sachin's first odi uh, cricket world cup and in that tournament uh, he scored 283 runs in eight games at an average of 47.16 a strike rate of 85 and a highest score of 84 uh what do you remember about dulkar's knocks uh, in that uh, world cup yeah look uh, he he batted at number 5 or 6 in most of those games and he did pretty well he had a very important knock against pakistan in that mm. that famous game uh played some really good uh finishing knock i think he fitted in well he as a white ball player he was always known he could strike the ball really well uh so yeah i mean nothing that that stood out for me really uh, in that in that world cup but it's just the temperament i think i would say that playing at the big stage he he seemed to be uh liking the stage and playing against the best of bowlers he seemed comfortable yeah it was not a very memorable tournament for india as they didn't qualify as well as pakistan famously won that particular world cup now as you mentioned he was relishing the world stage in 1992 and in the same year he then went on uh, to play for yorkshire in a county stint and uh, in fact sachin became the first ever overseas player uh, to represent yorkshire before this yorkshire didn't even recruit players from outside of yorkshire to kind of role did it play in his uh, career i think uh, it played a huge role because when you when you do play in england i think uh, his performances in england speaks for itself in the later years he had some memorable knocks and uh, over the years we have seen players who have gone to england and played the county stint have come out as a better player you talk about zahir khan i think is the biggest example 2006 in fact he went to play for the county stint and he just came out as a different bowler so it's it's always a great thing playing in england because it's one of the toughest places to tour for especially for a subcontinental batsman and yeah against lancashire I, I, he scored a 100 yeah he did pretty well as well as uh, he he played 16 games uh, during his stint with yorkshire scoring 1070 runs at an average of 47 uh, the next sort of highlight in sachin's career came 
1993 when he scored his first ever test century in on indian soil because up to this point he's played majority of his cricket away from india uh, right from his first tour to pakistan and then england australia the world cup which was again in australia and new zealand and he came to chennai uh, it was the second test match um against england and he scored 165 runs and i think this inning sort of really started his love affair with uh, chennai as as we'll see throughout his career uh, what are your thoughts on that particular uh, innings from sachin yeah when you talk about some, the five or six best test hundreds that sachin has scored uh, this one won't come in that and purely because he made it look so simple yeah. i think for someone of his age if you go look back at the innings the purity of stroke play and just the ease with which he uh, played in that in that chennai track because uh, the thing is he had been playing as you mentioned in foreign condition most of the times so coming back to india uh, against against a strong bowling lineup Yeah, India also won that particular test match. In fact, they dominated that series, and um, it was good to see Sachin scoring this hundred because that uh, bowling attack, as you mentioned, had some notable names, but also it had a lot of variety in the form of uh, Tufnil, who was a left-arm spinner. You had uh, leg spinner and Salesbury, and you had all kind of bowling. And Sachin just made it look like he knew uh, what he was doing every single delivery of that uh, particular knock. Now coming on to 1994, where Sachin first opens uh, the batting for the first time in ODI cricket. It was a match against New Zealand in Auckland. New Zealand scored 142, and India uh, won that game pretty easily. Sachin scored 82 of 49. Um, and I remember when he came out to bat and he started uh, hitting the balls for four. The commentators suddenly were talking about, wait, is this the same deck that New Zealand batted on? Uh, what was your thoughts? I think uh, it was strange for almost seventy odd games he played at at you know, in the middle order for you know, at number five or six, and that game that you're talking about, obviously Siddhu got injured and he literally begged to open the batting. Azharuddin, the captain, and Ajit Wadikar, who was the manager at that point in time, they had no other option. They had no other reserve opener, so they had to send him. And as you said, I think it was the first time, at least I could remember, where the opener was hitting the balls uh, in the air over over the 30-yard circle. Uh, I know people talk about Jaiswali and Kalugitar not doing that in the '96 World Cup, but I really believe it was Tendulkar who started this. And in '94, there were some other memorable knocks, which I don't think it's talked about a lot, which we will cover later in this video. But it was the unfolding of what I would say the greatest or ever ODI batsman for me, for sure. Richards comes close, uh, Kohli comes close, but Tendulkar. What he did over a span of time, especially that period uh, in the 90s, Tendulkar in the coloured clothing against a white ball was was a sight to behold. Yeah, as you mentioned, you know he he was pretty aggressive by hitting the balls over the 30-yard circle, but also he was charging the fast bowlers a lot, which was something that I, I particularly noticed. And he he was a really aggressive batsman even in the early 90s. Uh, later that year, in September 1994, on his 78th 
ODI Sachin finally broke the shackles and uh, scored his first ODI century against Australia in Colombo during the Singer Cup. What do you remember about that particular innings? And as a Sachin fan, uh, where does that particular innings uh, rank? Oh, it was terrific. Uh, what I particularly remember was his batting against Craig Mag- McDermott. In, in fact, he he was just flicking some of the balls from uh, from one of the best bowlers that time. You uh, McDermott as was at his prime, and uh, some of the flicks just uh, it was uh, it was something really new to see. It, it just up balls from the length and and uh, deposited it to the stand and uh, as you mentioned charging down the wicket it was not normal back in the yeah. days in those times uh, uh, so to be able to just bat in that fashion against against an Australian bowler this interesting stat where India had played a year of 165 games before Tendulkar started playing ODI cricket and he actually played 463 games out of the 809 games India played till the time he finished. Wow! Before, now, before he started, Indian the average uh, Indians used to score a century every 9.7 games, and by the time he scored his from the time he scored actually his first century, that number comes down to 3.23. Just wow. so just goes on to show, uh, I mean, his effect on white ball game. It's difficult to explain. It's just, I mean, you had to be in that time. Uh, none of, I mean, either of us were not there back then, but just looking at the highlights, you can, uh, it still gives you goosebumps for sure. You mentioned, you know, the pickup shots and uh, against McDermott, and that's exactly what I've put down in my notes here because there's one particular pickup shot where he just, uh, there was no follow through, it was just a pickup shot over. Uh, square leg for six. Yeah, that just that, that shot just sticks uh, to mind for me. And uh, as you said, you know Tendulkar. It's difficult to explain the way he's impacted ODI cricket. Uh, but what we can try and do is is talk about his prime years, which I think was from 1996 to 2003. And I think we should start off with some stats to back up why we're saying it's his prime years. During this period, he played 291 matches scoring 15,954 runs. Uh, that is 46% of his career runs. Batting average of 51.96, 5,500, 106 wickets, 52% of his career wickets. All of this in this particular eight-year span. Um, and recently, ESPN Cricket for put up a stat saying Smith in uh, 2017 to 2020 versus Tendulkar in 1997 to 2000, who is the better batsman because they have pretty similar averages. Uh, Tendulkar had an average of 67.55, whereas Smith has an average of uh, 67.32 in this particular period in Test Match Cricket. But I think the answer becomes clearer if we look at what Sachin Tendulkar did in a decade of Test Match Cricket. Right from 1993 to 2003 to 2004 season, he played 93 Test Matches, 8,312 runs at 61.57 for a period of 10 years, 2,900s and 3,250s. All of these numbers are giving me some goosebumps just reading them out. Um, So I'm just going to give it to you to try and Explain what made Sachin Tendulkar one of a kind player in the nineties. Wow, uh, yeah, those seven years that that you spoke about, 
scoring centuries in all the conditions you talk about australia south africa england and not just scoring dominating those bowling attacks and he was uh, forced to reckon with in indian conditions the code it's all about his technique and just a setup with which he plays a cricket ball it's not complicated it's very settled very solid and the mindset to go after the bowling i think that combination is very rare because someone who is so perfectly set up uh, is is bound to you know do better at test cricket uh, and they seem to be conservative because on in in coaching manuals you are not supposed to hit the balls in the air at least that's what they used to teach when when he started playing so i think uh, it's it's purely about his technique and the uh, mindset and i think you've prepared a special uh, technical analysis segment of his technique for us so i i'd like you to take us through that i've tried and come up with uh, with a perspective that would show how good the player he was and why did he succeed in all the conditions so now the three thing that i'm going to talking about this there's the stance the back lift and obviously the trigger movement when you look at his stance in his prime years that we spoke about especially post 96 98 it's amazing how he never changed his stance it was pretty similar throughout the time till the time he ended so it was a very upright stance he used to take guard on leg stump and sometimes even outside leg stump in comparison to that when you see that image of the 92 game he is very much leaning onto the bat and the head is falling over to the off stump but because he had such a great hand eye coordination he the chances for lbw was lessened because of that also rarely he did fall over to the off stump and play around his front bat so he obviously got out lbws but that was again because of the error in judgment not but not because of the technique but the change in stance in that 96 season started and i think nobody mastered the art of a perfect stance in modern era better than tendulkar did and the reason i say this is if you really look at his stance the head and shoulders are a bit more open than than in a perceived classical stance and also the hip are in the same place as the shoulders are now that's approximately pointing towards the non striker and because this setup i think allows him to pick up the ball better with the right eye because you should take guard on the leg stump and outside scoring shots on the offside were greater than if you take a chance in uh, on the middle stump and that's the reason i think he played more straight drives than probably fix unless it was really on the pads outside the leg stump he used to go for the grass otherwise it was mostly straight drives which just minimized the risk and uh, we all know straight drives are the best shots to play in cricket because there are no fielders it's as simple as that it would work in swinging conditions or the seaming conditions because it also eliminates to go for chasing the balls in what we would call the corridor of uncertainty so it was a perfect perfect chance that he was able to replicate for 664 games throughout his international career now when we actually talk about the backlift so uh, backlift is something that's very natural as well now 
he had a low back lift with high wrist cocking is what we would say now wrist cocking is something that enables the bat to come down with more power now for cricketers who have been born and brought up playing in pitches with low bounce they normally have this kind of back lift because you have to get to the pitch of the ball quicker than what you would do in a bouncy track and it allows you to play the drives and the flicks easier uh, as well also because of the power that the wrist generates to the wrist cocking so tendulkar had those kind of back lift but it's amazing how he was never troubled in, even in bouncy pitches mm-hmm. now that was what stood out to me because if you see someone like an ab de villiers or a brian lara they have their wrist almost going towards their midrife or even higher but with tendulkar it the wrist used to come up around the waistline so it was not a very high back lift even then the ability to play on bouncy tracks we never saw him play a lot of cuts but the region between covers and point he used to score a lot of runs it's amazing it's just amazing to have that kind of back lift and still be able to score those many runs on pitches in australia and south africa and then then we come on to the trigger movement now this is a really really interesting part so tendulkar was not known to have a trigger movement uh, whether uh, back and across or just uh, having a big stride forward it was very instinctive i think and i honestly believe that trigger movements are something that's very subconscious it's very difficult to have a control on that but then it was very simple solid and uncomplicated now this picture that you see uh, on the right it was game against pakistan in the 2003 world cup in the second over that famous over where he hit so he worked for a six and two boundaries the ball is still in the hands of akhtar and he has already made a pick stride forward towards the off stump and on the other side it's against wakar yunus there is no sh- movement of the feet and the ball is almost about to release it's still in the hands and mind you both the balls were pitched around the shot of goodland stuff and he was able to flick both of them in two different ways in one case he did have a trigger movement of the feet and in a, in the other case there was no trigger movement. i cannot get over my head that how he was able to do that to plan against various bowlers in the same game in the same pitch to be able to have control on it this is interesting but the other really interesting part is this picture what you look at it is a game against pakistan in taunton in 2000 where he scored 93 the same bowler shoaib akhtar now he doesn't have any trigger movement again the ball is pitched around the same length around the shot of good length and it's the flick shot again same bowler there are no trigger movements compared to the shoaib akhtar in 2003 where he consciously made a stride forward before the ball is bowled just looking at these to even think about it how he was able to to have control on his trigger movements because uh, most of the people they either fall across they take too big a stride or they just get stuck onto the these back and across movements it sometimes gets you in trouble with the lbws and everything but yeah this guy was just so much more adaptable than the rest of them and i think these are the things which made him so much more successful in various conditions to me sachin was the greatest all round player i think uh, day in day out any conditions pace versus spin the expectations he was under a billion people watching him the pressure so i think he just everything he had to deal with and the way he went about it in those mid 90s was just unbelievable so i can go all time i would say sachin tendulkar had a magnificent technique the amount of meetings we had as an i had as an england captain trying to work out how to get sachin out 
was absolute nightmare. I comes down to preference and what I like to see, and I've often said I like straight lines. Players that play in straight lines, and Sachin Tendulkar always said the most difficult batsman that I have bowled against in my career because primarily of those straight lines, but his ability to generate awesome power and hit what I would think are good balls to the boundary. Oh, that was glorious. I don't think there's anybody who plays that uh, shot better than uh, Sachin Tendulkar. Oh, that's a great shot again. That's the Tendulkar trademark. That, that was incredibly detailed. I don't think I've seen anything like that. Someone deconstructing his technique, uh, just as perfect as his technique was. Uh, but but really, Gaurav, that was a very insightful uh, segment there. And I'm not even going to try and butcher it by uh, pitching in uh, with anything regarding his technical analysis. Instead, what I'm going to do is also bring in how he thought about uh, his particular game. And in one of the interviews, uh, Sachin said, going back to the 91-92 Australia tour, that on these bouncy pitches, what he thought was that it meant that for the bowlers, that good length area becomes a lot less and that uh, reduces the error of margin for them. Just to think about that, I mean, uh, converting a situation where people are telling you that it's going to be difficult, converting a situation uh, like that in your head to say that, no, it is going to be difficult for the bowler, that particular situation, half the battle is won there. And if you combine that with his technical brilliance, like you pointed out, it, it just make, shows why he went on to become the, the player uh, he was. And coming back to his prime years. That started off with the 1996 uh, Cricket World Cup where Sachin Tendulkar was the uh, highest run scorer. Um, he scored 523 runs of seven matches at an average of 87.16, strike rate of 85, 200s and uh, 350s. In fact, India reached the semi-final of that particular World Cup uh, and it, it was a match against Sri Lanka. Uh, where uh, Sri Lanka scored 251 for 8 of their 50 overs and India scored 120 for 8, out of which Sachin scored uh, 65 of those runs. And uh, the match was sort of came to a halt because of uh, crowd riots and Clive Lloyd, the then match referee, awarded the match to SL. Uh, do you remember any other knock from this particular World Cup uh, that was uh, memorable for uh, in Sachin's career? Throughout the, that tournament, it was a one-man show from him. And it was the case throughout the 90s. Mm-hmm. Much of India's batting was Tendulkar. Yeah, the one inning that I do remember was against Australia. It was strokely of the highest caliber. I can't get enough of you know, watching that innings really. I must have watched that innings maybe thousand times. And just the way uh, he dominates in the starting 10 overs, he, him along with uh, Mark Waugh was the standout batsman in that tournament. And his 90 actually negated Marco's century in that match. Obviously, Australia went on to win that match. But the impact of Tendulkar in that game was uh, was one for the AJC. Yeah, it was a good tournament for Sachin. Um, and more generally during this period, Gaurav, what are some of the most memorable knocks uh, that come to your mind? The one I remember, and it's obviously very very much talked about is the 97 series against South Africa in the game in Cape Town where he scored 169. Him and Azadruddin scored 222 in 40 overs, uh, reduced 
to 58 for five and uh, South Africa scored more than 500 in that game. In two hours, they scored more than 200 runs uh, against a full-fledged South African bowling lineup. That innings, as Caddy Kirshen famously says, is the best batting he has ever seen in his life. Four different styles, Tendulkar, just big heavy bat coming down, almost like a rock. And uh, Azharuddin with his just magical rests. The interesting part is he used that back and across movement, which he which he never did before that. And he actually tried that in the nets before the start of the match and it worked and he just uh, replicated that on the match. Yeah, uh, one that I particularly want to talk about is the one uh, in the next year after the knock that you've just mentioned in 1998 when Australia toured India. Um now, this particular tour, uh, just a little bit of a backstory. Australia were missing a lot of their key players on this tour, like Bevan, Megrath was injured, uh, Andy Bickle as well. And only two of the bowlers, uh, Vaughan and Rifle, had played uh, test cricket in India uh, before this tour. Um, now, coming on to the tour itself, I want to talk about one of the matches in Chennai, on uh, which started on 6th of March 1998. Coincidentally, my date of birth and place of birth. Uh, but... Uh, you know, why I want to talk about this knock is, um, first of all, in, uh, India started off this test match scoring 257 runs. Australia uh, hit back with 328. And then in the second innings, uh, I think on the fourth morning of the test match where uh, Sachin Tendulkar, um, he got to 50 pretty quickly. And I think it's rare that the test match is, uh, a- any test match is evenly poised on 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 the fourth day but then to have uh, each team's champion player at the top of their games uh, during this stage uh, with the game hanging by a thread i think that's what uh, every cricket lover wants to watch and this game was exactly that so i think the defining moment of uh, of uh, sachin's knock in this game came just after lunch uh, on that fourth um, afternoon um, you know, Sachin just passed 50 at this particular stage and Vaughn started coming round the wicket to make use of um, of the rough outside leg stump with the ball turning away. But Sachin, he he took the attack to Vaughn, you know, with um, uh, sweeps and um, uh, short over mid-wicket against the turning ball. He, he went on to uh, really take the attack to Vaughn and made Vaughn sort of... Uh, part ways with this particular tactic pretty quickly and there's a little bit of a backstory even to this particular uh, a technique where before the test Tendulkar had approached Ravi, Sa- uh, Ravi Shastri to ask him on advice how to combat uh, Vaughn coming around the wicket and, and Shastri told him that he had to find a way to attack Vaughn and so what Sachin did was he worked on it with um, ex-India player Lakshman uh, Shivarama Krishnan in the nets where he asked him to bowl just outside off stump on a particular spot. And for four days, Tendulkar uh, practiced with him. And that that proved to be a masterstroke and really won that battle against Vaughn. And uh, also India won that particular game by 179 runs. Uh, and, and more importantly, Sachin scored 155 in this knock of very, very quick time in uh, approximately 190 balls, which really set up India's chances for a victory in, in that final uh, final day. They had also made three pitches uh, for its preparation. One one was very new but very dry. The other one was underprepared and it was kind of dusting. 
and the third one it was uh, just torn about uh, apart by spikes and rakes now he used to just move on to pitch it, pitch after pitch and uh, defending attacking and slogging to have all the options available when he is, is in the match now it was obviously a great build up tendulkar versus won before the series and we had seen some of uh, some of their battles before that but it was really this series where uh, we got to see the best of the battles and tendulkar hands down he obviously got him in the first innings caught at a slip in the second innings as you mentioned round the wicket bang goes tendulkar uh, over over square leg and uh, just audacity to do that to the leading leg spinner in the world and yeah, the fact about him preparing uh, preparing three wickets for him to practice on that is something i did not know but it just shows that the man loved batting loved to practice and continuing with the theme of an onslaught against the aussies later that year there was the coca cola cup in sharjah which was a tri nation series um between india australia and new zealand and in this particular tournament um australia had won uh, the first group game against india um and the uh, the one that we're talking about is a final uh, group game in that particular tournament where india faced australia australia started off uh, by uh, scoring 284 runs um in 50 overs and india started off pretty slowly in their uh, batting uh, obviously ganguly and uh, tendulkar were opening the batting for india at that particular point and i think the score was um, 16 runs of, of 5.4 overs and i'm mentioning this because that's where i think uh, sachin really switched on so it was kaspersovich bowling to him and um, yeah, he just charged down the wicket and and hit him for a six over over mid wicket and then the immediately the next ball he kind of anticipated that it was a short ball coming stood back and just uh, smashed him for another six over a square leg um and i think that really switched it on for india at that particular stage they needed 254 or more to beat new zealand on net run rate to qualify for the final of of uh, the tournament and and famously there was a storm that interrupted the match um after for for about half an hour and then after that india had a revised target uh of 276 and 46 overs and sachin famously famously scored his his 143 of 131 balls which was called the desert storm knock uh, for for obvious reasons but it was uh, because of this pace that he scored at which which helped them uh be ahead of 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 the uh, score they lost the game but they were ahead of uh, new zealand in net run rate they went on to the final um which was played a, a couple of days later and it almost seemed like sachin just picked off from from this particular group stage game um again scoring 134 of 131 balls india won uh, the match against australia pretty comfortably in the end where australia scored 272 for 9 of their 50 overs and india finished in 48 and a half overs sachin was a leading run scorer in this tournament uh 435 runs in 5 innings at an average of 87 and a strike rate of 100.46 in ODI cricket in 1998 um uh, but yeah this these were the couple of innings that i really wanted to uh, highlight and talk about yeah pretty much the defining phase of in, uh, tendulkar's odi batting 98 was i mean as you mentioned uh, strike rate of over 100 and almost scoring 2000 runs that season 
that record still stands in fact uh, and uh, that inning that you uh, spoke of the 143 innings that was rated the innings of the decade by the vision the thing that stood out for me was how he looked at this obstacle in front of him all of the viewers i think were thinking of qualifying uh, whether india would qualify but he was looking to win the match if you, he got out for Two, at the score of 242 uh, they got bowled out for 250 so it was a story of indian cricket that time i mean the one innings that i'm i'm a huge huge fan of it was a game against pakistan again in chennai it was in 1999 and he scored 136 and uh, india lost the game by 12 runs i honestly believe if india had the luxury of the middle order that they possessed at the turn of the century uh, india would have won probably half the number of games more than than they did and if someone else would have scored those two runs that innings would have gone down as uh, one of the greatest innings ever played in cricket it was a pretty much brian lara's 153 innings against australia which is obviously counted as uh, the greatest innings ever played and Tendulkar in that innings was just blossoming. He he was playing with a back spasm, obviously, and uh, India were down and out. It was the fifth day that Chennai wicket against Wasim Akram, Vakarinus, Sakhwin Mushtaq, and he was stroking the ball like was, he was playing on on some some track in Ahmedabad with with no grass at all, and keep having this debate whether. Kohli has a better cover drive, or Babar Azam has a better cover drive. There are the few, few others as well. They shy hope in the modern era. But then, Tendulkar in that time uh, against Wasim Akram, swinging it back in and away, could play cover drives of the highest caliber. None of us have watched Bradman, but uh, uh, I think '98 and '99 season he. must announce himself as a british batsman ever uh, at least in the modern era for sure 98 99 season tendulkar had had the world at its feet i've only seen tendulkar on on the television and i was very very struck by his technique and i i asked my wife to come and have a look at him because i said i never saw myself play but i feel that this fellow is playing much the same as i used to play by looking at him and she she had a look at him on the television and she said yes there is a, a, a similarity between the two i i can't explain that in detail it was just his compactness and his uh, his stroke production he set me it it all seemed to to gel as far as i was concerned that was how i felt i feel uh, great to be compared with sir john bradman but uh, looking from his angle i feel it's very unfair on part of sir john to be compared to me is he has played cricket for 20 years and i've just played for 7 years even if i can be half as consistent as what he was i'd be very happy man there are a lot of folks asking me questions about the best batsman that you would have seen and on all that over the years i've heard of bradman i respected the pundits views in the past about bradman When I was asked about Sachin, I could be able to tell him that I did see Sachin, so I was able to make a, a verdict on what I think because seeing sometimes is believing. Since Sachin, I think he's gone. We're fast with the season.
sport, there are some individuals that doesn't matter what era that you're in. It could be 20, 30 years down the line. There are boxers with better records than Muhammad Ali. But if you mention the word box, then you have to mention Muhammad Ali. He is the king. Basketball, you have to mention Michael Jordan. There might be players on the verge of breaking records that he has. And when you speak about cricket, I would speak about Sachin Tendulkar. And Lara. I would speak about Sachin Tendulkar. <laughs>